want to begin by showing you uh, where we were a week ago today, what we left. That was our campsite. Some of you think I'm joking, but really it wasn't. I mean, I'm not. It was, we were about 40 feet from that view. Um, and that's a story how we were able to camp there, <clears throat> and not an illegal one either. So, uh, so that's good news. But that was, that was the view just a few, few feet from where we were camping. And it's beautiful, the north rim of the Grand Canyon. If you've never been there, we spent time in Colorado and various other places. And we took Lori's parents with us, which was an enjoyable experience. They're in their mid-80s and uh, wondered how that would go. And it went fantastic. It was a great, just, several of you know them, but they're just wonderful, good, and godly people. And uh, just a joy to have them along. And, you know, kind of at that stage, as some of you know, the feeling is kind of you just you don't know how many opportunities they're going to have like this. And so you just you, you enjoy and cherish every moment of it. Uh, we had a great time. Uh, but, but it brought back to mind a trip that we had taken as a family years ago uh, to South Dakota, which uh, Norm and Lori's dad grew up in South Dakota. So South Dakota is sort of a hallowed place in the family uh, and, and much joked about as well. But uh, we, we went to South Dakota. We were in the, the Black Hills. I don't know if you've ever been there or not. You know, we're the faces, as they say, in South Dakota. That's how they referred to Mount Rushmore and all that. We were there and uh, hiked, climbed Harney Peak. How many of you have ever heard of Harney Peak? Three of you. No, actually, a few, a few more than that. Uh, Harney Peak is uh, 7,242 foot of elevation. It's, I don't know, 1,200, 1,300 foot elevation gain from the beginning of the hike to the top of it. When you get to the top after hiking three miles in, and, and th- three to three and a half miles in, th- three to three and a half miles back out, you get up there, 60-plus mile views, panoramic views all the way around. It's, you're on the top of a rock, literally, is where you are. It's beautiful and a great, uh, g- great scenery and just great experience. Well, we had decided that we were going to do this as a family. Uh, Norman's parents, a father had done it 75 years earlier on that exact day. Okay, it was bizarre. Found a journal, and so we, we're all going to do the hike. And so uh, we all do the hike, and uh, the boys were a bit younger back in those days. Shortly before starting the hike, this was the scene. This was the sign we saw at the trailhead. Wilderness area, stay on the trail, pay attention to the signs. And then it began. This is where all things began to change. Rugged terrain, high degree of difficulty. Uh, allow four to five hours for the six-mile round trip. You start seeing this, and... Faces of excitement and jubilation began to melt into faces of complaint and uh, anticipation of pain. You know, it was kind of what was going on in the minds of uh, a few, let's just say, of our group. Uh, Now, mind you, uh, Lori's folks in their 70s are about ready to do this hike with us. But uh, let me just say the faces of complaint were primarily among two of our group who were not, who just happened coincidentally to be the younger ones of, of the group who uh, had more energy and more fitness. But we, we took the hike and uh, saw lots of you know, periodic overlooks and amazing sh- uh, scenes and so forth. We got to the summit. Everyone was happy. Everybody was good. Uh, why, why, why do I bring all this up? Most of us uh, have been in this situation. Our group, this little group doing this hike, we were all in pretty good physical uh, shape. We were pretty physically fit. Uh, for the time. Nevertheless, uh, that hike and others we've taken required a lot of encouragement in order to complete it. 
I mean, we were fit. We were ready for the hike. We had our water. We had, you know, we had candy bars, various other snack things along the way when we got the top. And we, we were psyched. We were ready for the views. We had periodic motivations like views and smells and aromas and all kinds of things. And wildlife would be assured on this trip. So it, a lot of things to look forward to. And it still required an enormous amount of encouragement in order to succeed. Here's the point. What's true for hiking with families is true for spiritual growth and development of every one of us. Lots of encouragement is required. So today we're going to focus together on how to encourage one another spiritually, even when you're spiritually fit. What we're going to say applies to you if you happen to be a place where you're not spiritually fit, where you're not spiritually in good shape. This will all apply. But what I want you to think about this morning is those of you who maybe happen to be fairly, think of yourselves as spiritually fit, uh, this applies to you. It's very important that we take seriously what God has to say in His Word. So we're going to look at a couple of, just two verses of Scripture this morning. We're going to look at a couple of extras, but the main two verses, Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25. You have your Bible turned there. If you don't have one, you can follow along on the screen. But this is what the Scriptures say, Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I mean, those two short verses. Let's just read it out loud together, okay? Would you just read it with me? Just indulge me if you would. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. This passage has a lot to say in just two verses, but what we're going to talk about this morning is three ways that you and I can become more encouraging, more spiritually fit. And it applies to all of us, but especially those of us who think of ourselves, I believe, as being spiritually fit. The first way that we can become more encouraging, more, more spiritually fit, is real, it just shows up in the verse, verse 24. We need to in, intentionally motivate one another toward growth, toward love, toward good works, those kinds of things. Look at verse 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love, good works. Now, I want you to think with me for a moment. What is it that motivates you? So I was driving home the other day. We're driving along, and I saw this little red sign with a D and a Q in it, just off the highway. I suddenly had energy to pull off the road and go, you know what I'm saying? What motivates you? I mean, is, is it ice cream? Is it uh, public recognition? Is it barbecue? Is it, is it the opportunity to earn something? Is it uh, adventure and risk? Is it, is it scenery? Is it quiet? Is it crowds? I mean, what motivates you? I mean, we're familiar with all these kinds of motivations. I mean, they're, shall we say, incentive-based motivations. We all experience them. We all, all, all uh, utilize them in various ways uh, in business and marketing, all this kind of stuff. What's interesting about verse 24 which uses the, uh, of Hebrews 10, which uses the word motivate, where it says, let us think of ways to motivate one another. That word means more than most of us think it means when we read that verse. You realize that that word in the, in the Greek language can be, that's 
translated motivate, that's one of multiple ways it could be translated. It could also be translated provoke, stir up, challenge. It can even be translated as irritate, argue sharply, as in debate sort of setting. Uh, it, can, it can mean spur or stimulate. So just think of this with me. Verse 24 saying, let us think of ways to stimulate one another toward acts of love and good works. So let's think of ways to stir up, to challenge, to irritate if necessary, to, to argue if necessary to get us in the right direction. Do you see what I'm saying? It, it means more than just a DQ, Dairy Queen kind of motivation is what it's talking about here. Once you think about this, apparently when you read this and reflect on it a little bit, as I've done for a lot of years, apparently the enemy of spiritual growth and fitness is apathy. It's comfort. It's ease. Getting what I want may well be the enemy of my spiritual well-being. Which is not to say that it's bad to get what I want, necessarily. It's just to say that there are times when motivation is me getting what I want, and motivation is a byproduct of somebody I trust getting in my face and saying, Hey, hey, wake up. Nudging me in the right direction. Nudging you in the right direction. Have you ever seen a spur that goes on a cowboy boot? You know, spurs are used to motivate a horse, right? It's, it's what one looks like if you've never seen one. I don't know about you, but I don't really want one of those on my side. And yet, the scripture is, is sort of using this exact language. It's saying, let us think of ways to spur. It's a legitimate interpretation of that passage, a translation of that passage, to spur one another on toward love, acts of love. In good works. God wants us to spur one another on. Think with me about this, another perspective on this. Do professional athletes ever achieve greatness simply because they've received a large signing bonus and salary? Answer? No. Most of the time, professional athletes need a coach who is encouraging, motivating, provoking them even sometimes to achieve the potential that the athlete knows is inside of him or her, but will never reach if there's not that person in their lives motivating them. Sometimes it's barbecue, and sometimes it's a spur. My question for you is, who have you given permission to in your life to provoke you towards spiritual fitness godliness, growth, Christ-likeness, obedience. We all need people like that in our lives. Not just people who aren't spiritually fit. Those of us who are spiritually fit need those kind of people in our lives. We especially need them in our lives. Because comfort, ease, is often the enemy. Which brings us to verse 25 of the passage where it goes on and says, Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. And it's interesting to me, as you, I don't think it's coincidental that 
Verse 24 is talking about ways to motivate one another toward acts of love and good works. And it goes on and says, let's not neglect our meeting together. Somebody, the implication is, is that one of the primary motivations for you and me, one of the ways of spurring us on and sometimes uh, bandaging our wounds and all that kind of, all the different facets of what happened is, is when you and I are together. It, it's one of the ways that God intended for us to be spurred on as well as nurtured on toward growth love, goodness, and godliness. And so we need to meet together regularly as a second way. All of us make progress on this spiritual journey. We need to make gatherings like this a priority. Uh, <clears throat> while we were on vacation, uh, we had two Sundays that we were gone here. The first Sunday, this is where we had church. Uh, this is Visita Lake. It's right out the side of the lake. It's a beautiful setting. Uh, Lori's folks and uh, her parents and I, Lori and I, we took our lawn chairs and we sat up beside here. On the way, we were listening to the live stream. We get out here, and then uh, this, is, this is where we had our own little communal service, the, the four of us. Uh, we we kind of felt like it counted because Norman's, Norman had like 60-something years in ministry, and, uh, and I've got 30-something years in ministry, and, and Lori and Norma both, you know, they can preach better than the rest of us, truthfully. So, but we live in denial of that intentionally. So, uh, so we thought we thought we'd have a little service, and each of us shared a little bit about you know, just something God kind of been laying on our hearts, talking to us about and we, from Scripture. And so we spent some time talking about a number of different things from Scripture. It was really a, a meaningful, memorable kind of experience. Last Sunday, we had a little trouble accessing the live stream, so we listened to another church's live stream uh, while we were traveling that day. But, you know, as good as those experiences were, as memorable as those experiences will be, there's just no substitute you know, for the heightened focus and encouragement that comes with physically being together with all of you in this kind of setting. Do I like the other? Yes. But there's something different that happens when I'm sitting right over here and when I'm interacting with you, and it's true for you as well. I mean, some of us in our culture think I can go out to the lake and God and I can have a... We can have church. Let me say this. You can have a spiritual connection with God there. You're not having church. It's a different deal. It's a different deal. It's not that that's bad. It's that it's not a substitute. It's not the same thing. Because there's something that happens when you and I meet together in a setting like this. Something that happens inside of my heart. You know, fuzzy thinking begins to fade. Sloppy character. I start noticing it that for all week long. I, hadn't, I kind of just got increasingly sloppy. Suddenly in this setting, I go, ooh, I start noticing that. And, and feelings of spiritual aloneness begin to dissipate in this setting where out there you kind of feel like, ah, oh, sometimes I'm just like all by myself. And doesn't any, you know what I'm talking about? It's why the Bible says don't neglect meeting together. God's goal in that is not to beat us upside the head and make us feel bad. It's, it's to say there's something that happens here that can't happen anywhere else. You need each other. You know, in, in Scripture, in, in Hebrews 10, do you know why people were neglecting to meet together at the time these verses were written? Uh, Hebrews 10, verse 33 and 34 tells us, it gives us a glimpse into the times uh, in which this was written. It says, sometimes, you know, the writer speaking to the people, he says, sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule. 
and were beaten, and sometimes you help others who were suffering the same things. And you suffered along with those who were thrown into jail, and when you, all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were things, better things, waiting for you that will last forever. It, it just gives us a little parenthetical glimpse of, of some of what the Hebrew people were going through, the, the Christians at this time were going through. In a word, it's persecution. And it's interesting to me that if persecution and having everything you own taken from you, being thrown into jail, those kinds of things, if that's not sufficient reason to neglect meeting together according to Scripture, probably I ought to think seriously about some of the things that I find reasons for to miss. Probably all do. It's all warranted for us to consider that and to think it through. What am I really missing out on? Maybe if it's so important that a person would risk in this kind of way, maybe, maybe there's more going on in here when we gather than we give credit for. That's why Scripture says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. And it goes on and says, but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. The third way that you and I can become more encouraging, more spiritually fit, is, is that we need to remind each other regularly what time it is. What do I mean by that? I'm not, I'm not talking about it being 1049, though some people pay attention to that. No. Actually, what, it's, what I'm talking about is this. There is a momentous event on God's timeline that is drawing closer by the day. Scripture is expressly clear that Jesus is returning soon. The clock is ticking. I don't think it's coincidental that in the context of Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, he starts out talking about motivation and then he transitions to talking about our meeting together, and then he begins to talk about the return, this momentous return of Christ. On some level, it ought to motivate us. On some level, it is our being together where we remember this. Why would I say that? Because you're not going to get reminded of that watching this week's news. Your boss is not going to remind you of this. Your kids who want whatever the latest thing is, are not reminding you of this. And yet, this event will change everything. Let me provoke or spur you on to think about this a little bit. Jesus himself says this in Mark chapter 13, verse 32 and following. He says, No one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. Since you don't know when that time will come, be on guard. Stay alert, Jesus says. The coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. When he left home, he gave each of his slaves instructions about the work they were to do, and he told the gatekeeper to watch for his return. You too must keep watch. For you don't know when the master of the household will return in the evening, at midnight, before dawn, or at daybreak. Don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say to you what I say to everyone. Watch for him. 
When Jesus ascended into heaven, he was going away on a long trip. He was going to be gone a long time. The disciples didn't understand that at that point, but all of us do now. But that does not mean that the day is not coming when he will show up. And according to this, what he says, you and I are wise if we keep watch. Part of keeping watch is reminding each other. Oh, that's right. This world isn't all there is. You know, government is not all that there is. Money is not all the world's about. You know, education is not all the world's about. And, you know, sports is not what the world's all about. And there really is more to all of this. And the day is coming when Jesus is going to return. He's going to make all things right. And when he does that, you know, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we just happen to be among those who are bowing our knees now. Got to remind each other of that. Because it gets fuzzy day in and day out. And that kind of focus, that kind of spiritual fitness requires reminders. It requires encouragement. Do we know those things? Of course, those of us who are spiritually fit know those things. That doesn't mean that we don't need encouragement. It doesn't mean that we don't need reminders. It doesn't mean that we don't need to be refocused periodically. And I believe that's precisely why God has told us what he told us in Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. You and I need each other. We're better together in the because of all these things. So what needs to happen in your life so you and I, so we can more consistently encourage one another towards spiritual fitness, towards spiritual well-being? Maybe this week, maybe obviously the rest of our lives, but this week maybe, maybe we need to look for ways to motivate, to spur each other on toward growth, toward love, toward good works. We need to meet together more regularly, some of us. You know, we're, we're here every Sunday. It's easy to take that for granted. Maybe God's saying to you this morning, you need to get there more consistently. If you're traveling and can't avoid it, tune into the live stream. Take advantage of that. Maybe God's saying that we need to look for ways to watch for Jesus together, reminding each other that his return is not all that far away. I just say, from my perspective, most days I turn on the news and I watch it and I just think, it can't be very far away. It really can't. Most of us are wise enough to know the wheels of this car could come off so fast and so easy because the values of our nation and our world are so compromised at this point. I mean, we could be Hebrews 10, 33, and 34 one of these days. And don't fool yourself to think we couldn't be. Before that day ever comes, you and I are wise if we commit ourselves, if we, if we humble ourselves to just look at what Hebrews 10 says and if we decide, okay, well, let's, let's begin now looking for ways to motivate each other just as Scripture says. Let's, let's not neglect meeting together now so that when that day comes, it's 
not as big a leap to not neglect meeting together. And, and let's encourage each other to remember that Jesus is returning one of these days. So you commit your life to that. God will bless you for doing that. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. We're going to close in prayer this morning. Hope you'll reflect on these verses and the truths that, uh, that are there. Apply them to your life and uh, let God bless you by doing that. So We're going to close in prayer. I just want to invite you, if you've got something in your life that you need someone to pray for you about, let us pray for you. Uh, just humble yourself. Do that. I mean, sometimes we kind of run through life with this facade like everything's okay. I'll tell you right up front, you can pray for us. We came home to water damage in our house. So ice maker line sprung a leak and baptized our whole house. <laughs> and not by sprinkling, by immersion. So our whole lower level has been immersed now. So it'll be in heaven. I don't know about the upstairs, but the middle, the, the kitchen and the basement, it'll be. Anyway, I'm just joking around. But the point is, just, you know, just pray for us. Just pray for us about that. I don't know what you go, have going on in your life that you need prayer for. But um, my encouragement to you, don't be ashamed to ask somebody to pray for you. I mean, it's just part of, part of this doing life together. God, God invites us to do that, okay? Let's bow our heads and pray. Afterwards, some of us will hang around down here. Happy to pray for you, all right? Lord Jesus, thank you for every single person here. Thank you for their faith. Thank you for their, uh, their presence here, for honoring your word even this day by meeting together in this place and tuning into all of this. I, I pray, God, that you'll help us, God, to be spiritually fit in an era of time where there's a lot of spiritual flabbiness at best and spiritual carelessness at worst. So, God, I just pray for your blessing, your presence in our lives. Would you go with us this week? Would you meet the needs of part of our lives? Would you guide us in your paths of righteousness? Would you help us to have the courage to walk those paths, whether anyone goes with us or not? Would you help us to use our mouths to be encouragement and not voices of criticism and rebuke and meanness and the stuff that goes on, not just our mouth, but even our writing, the things we write on Facebook, the things that we write in social media platforms. Help us to be salt and light and grace and love. Help us to be hand and voice, the feet of, of Jesus wherever we go. And pray for AOL, the Avenue of Life this week. It all takes place there. Pray that that will go well. Pray that if there are people who need to volunteer for that, that you're calling, give them the courage to step out on that. If there are other things that you have in mind, God, for us, help us to have open hearts, willing hands, and a faithful lives this week. Go with us now as we leave this place. We'll give you the credit for everything good that happens. In the name of Jesus, we pray for this. Amen. Bless you all.